Reading today is taken from James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that what that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest, when a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a whole world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it it's itself set on fire by hell. All kind of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restful evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth can come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Beautiful. Um, for those that are worried about hot pot, I am not cooking. Um, Simon and Anessa are in charge for, of the actual cooking. Um, I don't really know what a hot pot even looks like. I have bags down here of hot pot stuff. Uh, again, don't know what I'm doing, but someone does. Um, so thank you for reading James 3. That's actually the whole chapter, but we're actually only going to focus on the first 12 verses tonight. And um, I'm normally pretty nervously excited when I get up and share with you guys, but I'm feeling a little bit extra today. Um, as I was preparing, I just felt like God had something really practical for us today. So um, as we get into it, um, I just want to share a little bit of context. Um, the book of James is actually a pretty controversial part of the Bible. Um, it's actually one of the most controversial books, and um, if you know much about Christian history, there's been a few major Christian leaders that have even disputed if it should be part of the Bible. And we're not going to get into all the history right now, but what I want us to think about is, like Larry said last week, there's a, there's a relationship between faith and works that's actually pretty tricky. 
There's actually a challenging relationship there that's sometimes hard to understand. And like Larry said last week, we're called not to be shonky. We're called to be consistent, but that relationship is difficult sometimes. And for those of you that have missed the last couple of sermons or um, just haven't been here for a little while, I'm just going to give us a really quick two-minute foundation of where we're kind of up to because um, the book of James is actually really confusing and will be misunderstood unless we actually know what's going on behind it. So last time I was here, this kind of feels like part two of my last sermon, and I'll give you the really quick two-minute version, I promise. But uh, I preached about being free from striving. We've got our Freedom series going on, and then we've also got our James series going on. And in the Free from Striving, I talked about the idea that Paul has an emphasis on justification by faith. Here we go. Justification by faith alone. Nothing that we can do, no amount of good stuff that you can do will actually make you right with God. You will not be justified by giving all your money to the church or helping old ladies across the street. Those are good things to do. Oh, maybe the money, all the money to the... Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Um... No amount of good things that you will do will get you into heaven. All that you need to do is to repent, to say sorry, to turn from an old way and say, hey God, I don't want to live that old way anymore, I want to live your way. To put your faith in Jesus. With that context, it's so important because the tricky bit is, what's then the role of works? If justification is by faith alone, not by what you do, then why does it matter what you do? And this is really important for the book of James because he's talking about what you do. And if you don't want to change, the book of James will mean nothing to you. Great. And I want to ask that question and I want you to think about that question because, again, this will mean nothing unless you have a firm idea in your head, do you want to change? And communion, I think, is a beautiful opportunity for us to slow down and reflect again and again and again about what God has done for us. If action isn't a reaction to what God has already done, then we're striving. But James says, in the light of what's been done for you, live a certain way. And maybe the most simple way I can say this is that repentance actually has two parts to it. Repentance is when we're going one way, we stop and say, sorry, God, I don't want to go that way anymore. But we actually turn and go a different way instead. This is what it looks like to live a life of repentance. That's what James is actually saying. This is what authentic repentance looks like in action. I think I've got that up there too. Cool. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, I've heard this a hundred thousand times. Great. I'm glad that you have. But it's so important to have this foundation when we're actually talking about why do you want, why does this stuff matter? So we're in chapter three, and like I said, we're going to look at the first 12 verses, and specifically James is talking about our words. How do we speak? How do you speak to each other? How do you speak to strangers out on the street? How do you speak to your hus- husband, wife, whatever it is? James wants us to think about it. And from the very first verse, James says, my fellow believers. James is speaking to people who have already become Christians, and he is really interested in the maturing of your faith. He says really hard and challenging things aimed to help you become more like Christ. So, right now, if you're ready to hear challenging things, you're ready to say, I want to change, I want to be challenged tonight, awesome. Great, this book is perfect for you, no worries. But if you're still not sure about the Christian staff, if you're still not sure about the, do I want this? 
Look at this chapter as a, this is what Christians are called to do in order to live non-shonky lives. Authentic lives that actually talk the, walk the talk and talk the walk, whatever it is. And James starts it off in a really humble way. He actually says that um, we all stumble in many ways. He's full of grace for us because he knows that we're not perfect. But he calls us to a life of increasing perfection. He wants us to be on a journey of Christ-likeness. Cool. And there's great context here in this chapter, but what I really want to get to is the practical stuff. So there's going to be some good practical stuff at the end, but um, bear with us. So let me just pray for us as we get into the chapter. Thank you, God, so much for the book of James. Thank you that we have this beautiful book of wisdom and, and of guidance Help us to actually hear the challenging words and to take them into our hearts, not just for them to be arbitrary theological things, but for them to be practical. Help us to reflect and think about how we speak, to actually reflect the crazy love that we've been given and give us strength and direction to be into heart transformation rather than just outward performance. Help me to speak in in a clear way that honours this text, that communicates what you intended it to communicate, that we can actually become more like your son. Amen. Cool. So, um, I'm not sure if you've ever heard the expression... Sorry. I'm not sure if you've ever heard the expression before that the eyes are the window to the soul. Have you heard this expression before? And I think it's true to a point that when you look into someone's eyes, you can normally tell a lot about their emotional state. If you fake a smile, you can normally guess that it's a fake smile by the eyes, right? If I'm smiling at you, it's pretty obvious because my eyes aren't smiling. On Facebook, people with fake smiles are given away by their eyes. But James is here is actually saying that the, the tongue is a window into your soul. This is actually huge for us, and it's actually interesting because I, I remember going to doctors, and doctors, maybe the first thing they do is ask you to open up your mouth, and they look at your tongue. Somehow they can gauge a lot about your physical health just by looking at your tongue, the color of it or whatever's going on, and it's a kind of spiritual parable. What your tongue speaks, what comes out of your mouth, is a really good indicator of what's going on in your heart. And James is one of the first books written after well, Jesus, one of the first books written of the New Testament, and he's right at the forefront of his mind is Jesus' teachings, and we see this in Matthew 12, 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. What's coming out of your mouth is what's going on in your heart. He, James is wanting us to think about the fact that what our mouths are saying is reflecting what's going on inside. James, as a kind of spiritual doctor, is showing us this, is giving us this chapter for us to assess our spiritual health. And immediately, this is super practical, right? This is practical for me because I know what's coming out of my mouth is an indication of what's going on inside. So I want us to think about that as we go through and and just remember it, have it at the back of our minds. But James then, immediately from verse 3 jumps into these two really clear and vivid pictures of how powerful the tongue is disproportionately. He talks about horses and boats. In his mind, he has these chariot races, these horses driven by this one guy in this little carriage or whatever it is, controlling these horses by this tiny little thing in their mouth. 
it's small. It's not like he's holding the horses and pushing them around. It's this tiny little thing has so much power. And just like that, a boat, we know a rudder steers a ship. No matter how strong the current is or the wind or the size of the boat, this tiny little rudder steers the ship. And I know boats and horses aren't really applicable to our context, so let's think about cars. We have these little steering wheels and these tiny pedals that fly these huge heavy machinery all around the road. And in my life, I know how quick I am to just go in autopilot to just know I'm going home, so I just go this way. And you know when you kind of like wake up and realize, what have I been doing for the last five minutes and how have I ended up here on the road? It's crazy how often we go into autopilot when we're driving. And just like our tongues, it's so easy to go into autopilot because it's easy. We're familiar. We know what we're doing with our tongues. We know what we're doing driving. So it's easy just to go into autopilot. And James also wants us to be really careful with that. I want you guys to think about tonight, are you in autopilot with your words? So the next verse is he goes in to talk about the destruction caused by the tongue. Let me just read these ones out. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. Sorry, a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it and is itself set on fire by hell. We all know that it's wrong to lie or gossip or complain excessively or slander people or whatever it is, but James wants to give us a few pictures to help us really understand why. Why are those things so heavily condemned? And the first picture that he uses is that of a fire. It's kind of all over the passage here. He says a small spark can burn down an entire forest. The tiniest spark creates a fire that grows and grows and grows. And we know this. Have you ever gotten caught up in a web of lies? You've told one little white lie that you then had to tell another lie to cover up the last one. And then it's gone on and on and on and on. One lie breeds many. We know that an insult can pierce straight into your heart and you can hold on to that. I know far too many people that were told that they were bad at maths from a young age and then from that point onwards they never tried at maths ever again because they thought, I'm bad at maths. One careless word changed their course of years. Have you ever been told that you were unattractive or useless? Whatever it is, we know that one careless word goes straight to your heart and you hold on to it and it changes how you think about yourself and we know that gossip spreads you tell one person something and they tell another and they tell another and then it grows and grows and grows until one spark becomes a forest fire in my marriage i know that if i bring home a nasty attitude even a little spark or something and unleash it on my wife it ruins her day and then her ruined day ruins my day and we ruin the next person's day that we meet and so on and so forth A little thing, a careless word, creates a fire. Other versions of this passage um, translates the word corrupts into stains. Oops, sorry, I've gone too far. Stains. So we're going to use it for this picture. We're so careful sometimes to wear nice clothes. Maybe you were at the wedding yesterday and you got your clothes dry cleaned and you ironed everything. And I know all too well, is Jack laugh? Did this happen to you? (laughs) (laughs) sorry to pick on you (laughs) and whatever it is but 
I know all too well that a barbecue sauce stain on your shirt ruins your whole outfit. Uh, Tom, yeah, here we go. Uh, haven't, uh, great. Uh, perfect. Thank you for the illustration, guys. One little barbecue sauce stain, it doesn't matter how nice your shoes are or your pants or your jacket, the barbecue sauce stain is the thing that sticks out. It doesn't matter how godly you are. It doesn't matter how good record you have. A careless word ruins it. It stains it. It becomes the thing that people focus on. Goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control are all ruined by a careless word. And the last picture that he uses is a deadly poison. It's not the last one. There's more there, but the main three that I'm picking up on. We know that poison has a habit of getting under people's skin. Words get under people's skin. And, and sometimes poison works quickly, sometimes it works slowly, and sometimes it makes you sick for a day or a week or a year, or sometimes it kills you. But your words can be a deadly poison. And this teaching isn't unique to James. As Larry actually said just before, Proverbs 18 verse 21 says that your words have the power of life and death. Have you thought about that recently? For me, that is a a startling reminder that my words have the power of life and death. And this isn't unique to Proverbs. Again, it's in um, Jesus says something really similar in Matthew 5. He says that you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. It seems to me that Jesus is putting anger and insults on the same level as murder. That's crazy, right? That seems so strange, but it's because he knows that anger and insults, our words have the power of life and death. How we speak really matters. Again and again, it says throughout the Bible, how we speak matters. Your anger or your insult could be death to someone. So I'm about to get to the practical stuff, but I just want to cover the last little bit here. I think it's verses 8 to 12, and um, it's really important that we look at it before, because um, transformation, real authentic transformation comes from the inside out. This is how he ends this little passage about the tongue. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we can curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. There's an inconsistency here. How can you praise God and then curse those made in his image? It just doesn't make sense, right? It shouldn't make sense. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Again and again he's saying that your words show where your heart is. If salt water is coming out of your mouth, it's because salt water is in here. If anger, bitterness, if impatient or vile words are coming out of your mouth... It's because there's something bigger going on in your heart. And that's crazy challenging for me because it's not just that I can fix my words really quickly and easily, but it actually takes heart transformation. Something deep has to change. 
And it's a good thing to desire the external change, but don't waste your time snipping off branches of the sin tree when you need to go deep and get the roots out. Lasting, significant change comes from the inside out. And like I said earlier, that sometimes we need a doctor to come and actually look at our tongues for us. There's countless times I know in my life where someone's come along and done that for me in all kinds of different ways. And in James James 3 verse 2, he says, we all stumble in many ways. All of us. None of us are are impervious to this. We all struggle with it. And at the end of the book, James writes in chapter 5 verse 16, I know I'm stealing someone else's sermon now. He says, therefore, therefore, because of what happened in chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, therefore, because of all these things, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. If you struggle with anger, if you struggle with gossip, with lying or with reckless words, confess it to someone. Most importantly, pray together. And James says that you can be healed. What's going on in the heart can be healed. So uh, as a practical thing, I wanted to be hopefully a bit quicker so that we could do a little bit more practical stuff. I've got three challenges for you, I guess. And the first one is, if any of this has resonated with you, talk to someone. Have a chat. Find someone who will tell you the truth. Not just say, yeah, you're doing great, no problems. If you struggle with any of this stuff, if your speech, you're not happy with it, talk to someone. Pray together. There is healing there. The second one is a a bit of a reflection activity, and I've got a list of verses up here. And I just want, because I came across all these different verses while I was preparing this talk, and obviously I can't preach from 30 different chapters of the Bible. So I've just thrown them all up on the board. And and I would love it if we just sit here for two minutes, you pick one off the board and and decide, I'm going to hold on to that this week. Pray right now that one will jump out to you. So here is the list. I'm hoping it's big enough for you guys. Young people have generally good ideas. I don't know, Sam's struggling down the back. Um, my prayer is for you guys is that one of them, maybe two of them will jump out, will be particularly for you. So I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to give you two minutes to just look and read and pick one or two. And I'm going to jump back up again. So I hope that you've had some time to maybe pick one and I'll leave them up for the moment. But what I would really encourage you guys is to remember it. Make it the background of your phone this week or write it on your hand every morning and go home and look at the context. What's actually going on in that verse? That's my second challenge for you. And the third one, this one's a bit easier and you have to do it now, basically. Before you leave this building, before you go get in your car, encourage someone. Find one person and speak words of life to them. Before you leave this room, Maybe you know someone here, maybe it's a stranger, whatever it is, go speak words of life to someone. Because we have an incredible opportunity with our words. They are the power of life or death. They are the power of life. And especially those two verses of Ephesians, for me, shows another way that we can use our words. They don't just have to be poison or fire or, or whatever it is. They can be a beautiful opportunity. Great, so I'm just going to pray for us and, um, yeah, if the band wants to come back up. Lord God, I pray that you stir something up in us now.
stop us from living comfortable, complacent lives, but actually help us to start walking in the, in the radical lifestyle that you call us towards. Show us how good it is to live authentic, non-shonky lives. Increase our awareness of what we say this week. Help us to hear what we're saying, how we say it, and the subtle messages that we communicate. Give us increased self-control this week. May the words that we choose to use bring you honor and glory. May we be ambassadors representing the good news of your kingdom everywhere that we go. And give us boldness to share our struggles, to pray with one another, to go there. Amen.